Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cramwell's soups have been providing your family with wondrous kitchen-ready canned soups for decades. Our latest offering, Cramwell's Potato and Pout Chowder. We blend a toothsome collection of chowder-style seasonings with hearty portions of Yukon gold potatoes and firm, meaty freshwater cod. If freshwater cod is new to you, perhaps you'll remember its other Northwoods names, burbot or eel pout, which your friends at Cramwell's will simply shorten down to pout. Potato and pout chowder is a hot and hearty soup that will remind you of your favorite New England-style fish chowders, but this time with a cabin country twist. Firm, meaty white pieces of fish meld their flavors with fresh butter and the whole milk you add when preparing a can of potato and pout. A delicious and satisfying fish chowder you'll be proud to put on your family table. If you're fresh in off a cold morning grouse hunt, sat alongside the tip up on the ice, there's nothing more satisfying than a hot bowl of Cramwell's Potato and Pout. Potato and Pout really is a soup that eats like a meal. Put several cans in your pantry today. Cramwell soups are good to eat. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman with another Woodland Escape. Welcome back to Cabin Country. I'm I'm Fudd Klugman. I'm Bjorn Lloydstad, and we are joined tonight by Larry Lair- Sickman. Larry Sickman. And uh, we met online uh, because I, I saw this cool company called Lake Supply Company. Lake Supply Company, yes, indeed. Of which he's, he's the founder of, two years running now. So welcome welcome to Cabin Country, Larry. Glad to be here. Glad to have Pleasure. you. So... Now tell us. Now you can find your website pretty easily, lakesupplycompany.com, Right? Is that is that the website? Uh, Lakesupplyco. Or sorry, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Lakesupplyco. No, it's actually lakesupply.com. Lakes, lakes supply. Plural, yes, lakesupply.com. You should get it. Pretty now. straightforward. Yeah, that should that should. I think somebody had Lake Supply Co. and company, and and I had the name already, so I just needed to make something work. Excellent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell us about uh, getting it started. You said two years. Yeah. Uh, so I've 
been a hand letterer, just kind of hobbyist, but also do a lot of uh, visual design and try to work in hand lettering or even typography anywhere, anywhere I can. Getting into the digital age, I became um, more of a digital designer, which ended up turning into a UX designer, uh, which is all things digital and, and um, kind of straight away from, from the pen and paper, pencil and paper. So I, I was looking for a way to get back into it. And I was up in uh, Duluth uh, on the North Shore with my family, and we were all looking for something to bring back, a souvenir, a memento. And I, I bought a... It took me forever to find a shirt that, because I'm a designer, like I'm very critical. So right. just, that <laughs> uh, I don't like the kerning on those characters. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know that I don't like the use of Zap uh, font or something. Right. Yeah, right. So I found one that I thought represented my design sensibility, and I, I came back to work and proudly wore it the next time I went into the office and. There, uh, somebody on the client team had the identical shirt, only it said like Madeline Island or something on it. Mine said North Shore. Uh, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, there goes that. And I started thinking there's got to be a way to kind of give Lake Superior area kind of a logo. It wasn't the first lake I did, but it was the thing that kind of started the conversation in my mind. And I think the first one I had done was like Red Lake. And then shortly after that, I had done Malax, which I, I redid both of those because those were kind of early on and trying to find my style. But Superior was probably the third, and I think it's probably the most popular as well. I just wanted to give, you know, the North Shore, you know, Lake Superior, I'm just like, I could sell this stuff <laughs> in right. these shops yeah. up here. I, I think it, you know, it, I, I like it. Uh, it doesn't mean everybody will, but... Um, then it became kind of a sickness. Uh, I began, <laughs> <laughs> like, how many lakes? There's over 10,000 lakes in Minnesota, and here we go. I decided to, you know, turn it into a thing. It was, it was kind of by accident, but also in the back of my mind, I was like, this, you know, this could be a thing. So, so with over 10,000 lakes in Minnesota, what percentage would you say you have done? I think I have about 100 lakes, maybe. Oh, wow. Oh, that's wow, still man. impressive. Wow. Um, I, you know, somebody could figure that math out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't the math. I was, you know. A tenth of a percent. Yeah. Um, I just mean that there's an awful lot of lakes out there. You, you right. could be busy for the rest of your life, I think, designing lakes. Yeah, and the key is um, trying to find a lake that's both popular but also easy to hand letter the name in it. Well, it might be a really odd shape, but an easy name to hand letter, but maybe the shape doesn't really allow it. Um, yeah. I usually come back to those because I might figure out a way on a different lake to do something and, and it usually works itself out sooner or later. Right. Uh, some of the complicated ones are uh, Lake Minnetonka, Lake Vermilion, Whitefish Chain. Right? Yeah, well, you got my, if my if my math is correct, I think Larry, we figured out at one point, I grew up on the, the Whitefish Chain as a kid. My folks had a cabin until, until it became exorbitantly expensive to have a cabin on the whitefish chain and, and they they kind of backed out but uh i i think i did did the count at one point finally and the chamber of commerce up there in crow wing said 14 lakes in the whitefish chain so you can stay busy for a while with just the just the whitefish chain itself but uh yeah yeah that's one i i've been putting off uh, i had a couple of requests for it and actually uh i'm working on getting that live on my site pretty soon 
um, where I did like, yeah, all of the lakes in the chain um, right. instead of doing individuals. And I can always do individuals for anybody as well, but doing all the individual lakes and all the, all the bays and everything in one. So everything's just a little, the hand lettering on it is a little bit smaller, but it just shows the breadth of the lake. I have fishermen that do an annual trip with a group of friends, and um, there's one guy that last year for the first time he ordered Lake of the Woods, and this year he uh, he told me next year we're going to such and such lake, and so that's on the list of, of something to do. So he, he buys like 10 stickers, like it just gives them to his buddies. Um, oh, cool. Kind of mark the uh, the occasion, and he, you know, he he stuck it on his, uh, his ice fishing case. We opened the case up and you can, can't, he's, he's going to start a progression of stickers and you oh, know, each one of them will, will bring back memories of, of the time he had. Absolutely. Uh, it's a, almost like yeah. a guitar case kind of thing. And you know, I used to get stickers from countries I'd been to and put them on the guitar case and yeah, think yeah. back. Wow. Oh, Venice. Unbelievable. You know? I didn't actually perform there and play there, oh, but gosh, I, no. I visited and, <laughs> but it's I on my, there. and it's on my guitar That's case. That's all but that matters. It looks, yeah. looks good. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, we were talking before the show, Larry, you and I, well, yesterday, in fact, and uh, I was telling you about, well, where Bjorn and I go to, the Gull River, and how right. when you're looking at lakes and you see the mighty Gull Lake, <laughs> trying to find Gull River is you have to strain your eyes a bit, don't you? Because I think you yourself... It took went, me a bit to find that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I, I have asked Larry to uh, put that on the list of uh, designing a Gull River and here is Fudd's cabin right. kind of design, but I think it's just going to be a measly little blue thread <laughs> on, a, on a white T-shirt with big Gull River lettering on it, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see what you come up with, Larry. Yeah, the rivers are tough. I've, I've gotten some, um, depending on the shape of the river, sometimes you can work it into a, an I or an L or yeah. an S or something. Uh, Sock, Sock Lake, is it, it looks kind of like the wide part of Sock River, and it's in the shape of an S, which I didn't even know until I actually started working with it and trying to hand letter. And I'm just like, well, wait a minute. This whole thing is an S. <laughs> I think they Excellent. can just do Sock Lake. Look it right in. That was actually a question I was going to ask, Larry. Is Has there been a lake or a couple of them maybe where you thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be challenging. This lake's shape is so bizarre. I have no idea. You know, does any any lake come to mind where you're thinking this is, uh, this, this was a challenge? This was real tough. I can't think of any offhand. Like, um, well, Big Stone. Um, <laughs> that's that's a long squiggly line. That's part of a river as okay, well. But right. um, I can't think of any offhand that that uh, I went in with confidence. I think there are some that I go in with confidence, and I'm I'm. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm just kind of thrown aback by like, oh, this is going to be tough because you just never know because you, you look at the shape and it's like, oh, I could do that. But then once you start, every, every lake has a different name and you just don't know how it's going to work. Um, I was working on a um, uh, Lake Leander, a real small lake, but uh, I just I just do it, do it for free. And if they would like to purchase something with that on it, then, you know, uh, that one is kind of like skinny at the top. It's vertical. So the vertical ones are usually pretty hard, but mm-hmm. then there's like a point right down the middle of it. And it's really hard to kind of wrap, wrap the text around, sure. around that. And uh, the iPad I've been using, um, I prided myself on being old school pencil and paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for the first two years. Okay. 
I invested in an iPad because of all these complex lakes with all of the bays, you know, Minnetonka mm-hmm. and Whitefish. It, it seems to speed things up a bit. Uh, there's there's less less sharpening of the pencils and right. <laughs> and uh, using tracing paper to go over another one and another one. I can just make another layer. You know? Sure, sure. Reading the you know your little bio on your website, you were talking about the when you first began in, as sort of a art and design, and then the computers came along. I mean, we're sounding like we're aging ourselves here. We're around before <laughs> the you computer. got one of those computers, but uh, then like. you, you took like a twenty-five year. Well, that's that's a, my career gone. But explain mm-hmm. what, what that was like when you were, you know, a graphic designer. You know, with your eye-hand coordination, and then the computer came and kind of distorted the way things were going to be. How did you? How did you <laughs> survive those twenty-five years? Handle that. Actually, the the last class in school, um, key lining. So you, you take the text and you take the artwork and you paste it, called paste ups, mm-hmm. and you um, send those off to the printer and they'll print it. Well, um, the last course in school, we, we did it on the computer. And then we had to print it out. And I'm just like, well, why would you ever do it on the computer <laughs> yeah. when you have to print it out anyway? Right. Um, <laughs> right. My first job out of school, I actually built handmade uh, menu boards for a small restaurant and coffee chain, mm-hmm. coffee shop chain. So I did a lot of illustration because it was a small company. They didn't invest in elaborate photo shoots or anything. So I, I tried to make do with that. Did that for five years, and then I went to North American Hunter Magazine and North American Fisherman, and then that was that was all digital. So it was you know we scanned in the photos, you you design uh, layouts of you know the cover and the features and the department pages, and my hand lettering and drawing just kind of went by the wayside sure. because there was wasn't the money in it. Uh, my career was going towards a different path, and then I got into web design and. And then user experience design. So getting away from the computer after work. Um, and now with the iPad, I'm kind of getting back into it. But I'm still doing drawing and, and hand lettering with, with a pen, I guess you might say. Right. It still looks and feels organic, you know. You're creating yeah. hands-on approach. Yeah, organic. Right. Looking with the hand lettering is very cool. I grew up on a dairy farm. Didn't have a outdoorsman bone in my body really uh, at a young age uh, went fishing a few times with my family um, I had uncle that that went fishing up to leach and Sugar Lake out uh, west of the metro and we would always kind of like hook up with them um, for a little bit but we have, a lot of times we need to be home to, to milk the cows you know right. mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, what was it 15 years ago yeah 15 years ago we bought a bought a lake place with the in-laws and and it's been quite an adventure as well. So That's actually, so where where's your cabin at? It's, uh, west of Alexandria in Brandon, Minnesota. So Whiskey Lake is is the lake, and it's only like 160 acres, real small environmental lake. It's primarily a largemouth bass. Now I'll see a bunch of big largemouth bass boats out there. Now you're holding a bass in the picture of your website there, I think, aren't you? No, it's a I'm, I'm a sorry, walleye. a walleye. Yeah, walleye. Yep. Um, so do you catch walleye out of whiskey? On occasion, I might snake into one. Primarily fish other lakes, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. If, if, if we do snake into one, it's it's uh, 
It's usually by accident. <laughs> and we throw them back because it's it's a small lake and, um, you know, I think it's widely stocked. I'm actually the president of the, president of the Lake Association, so I know it's widely stocked. Um, I don't think it's a naturally productive uh, walleye lake. So, Well, that's cool. All right. How do you get to be the president of the Lake Association? Is it just for Whiskey Lake? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How, how did you become president of that? I mean, that sounds um, interesting. Pretty much because nobody else wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you responsible for? Uh, just kind of, you know, planning meetings, uh, planning the annual meeting. And uh, really, that's about it. There's not a whole lot else. What happens at these meetings? We have a few beverages. Um, <laughs> well, chat with the neighbors. Sure. That's about it. Well, you know, yeah. like uh, going back to my days in Osakis in the mid-70s, Lake Osakis, um, our neighbors up there would take huge chunks of cattails and, and wrap a chain around them and then like either winch it or tractor it off the lake. But then the local DNR people would come and, and basically say, you can't do that. So I just remember as a kid thinking, oh, I, you know, my parents and their friends are doing illegal things here on the lake. They're taking... <laughs> so, all that, yeah. just, all that to say, I'm just wondering if you've had to encounter anything like that. People that are getting upset because they want to well, take things it out. It is a natural, yeah, it is a natural environment lake, I think is what they call it, environmental lake, um, which I guess there are quite a few in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. There's just larger setbacks, and you can clear some shoreline, but I think it's only like 40 feet or something, and the, the lots are all two acres or more. Okay. When we bought the place, there was there were a lot of uh, places that were just all trees. You know, they, yeah. one person owned a bunch of lots, and now they're all being split up, and they're putting cabins up or having campers and such. And a lot of them will take that forty foot and just kind of cut straight up. You know, so you have like a runway going down oh, each. Yeah. Right. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was the intent of the rule. I think the intent of the rule was, you know. You can clear 40 feet of shoreline for your dock and to, you know, play on the beach. And uh, there's not much of a beach. It's pretty it's pretty muddy, but I think mm-hmm. that was the original intent. But uh, at these meetings, we'll talk about, uh, yeah, zebra mussels. We got zebra mussels a couple of years ago. Oh. Okay. So things like that. Yep. Any, any gossip and, um, you know, water clarity. We have a guy on the lake that, that measures the, the water quality every year and then gives us that report and just a good chance to, to chat with others and otherwise you, you really don't have a chance to so how many how many cabins would you say are on whiskey larry what uh, is it is a pretty pretty crowded lakefront or is it? i'd say there's about uh 40 maybe okay All if right. i had to guess yeah um you know and they're you can't see too many when you're on the lake, so that's always good. It's not like you can't build right up to the shore. I think it's like a 150-foot setback right. mm. and then limited clearing of the shoreline. So the only time we see a water skier is usually uh, 4th of July and, and maybe Labor Day, and that's about it sure. because by the time you, you get <laughs> you get your uh, speed up. up on your skis, <laughs> right. you're, you pretty much have to stop turn around you've, so, yeah. you've cleared the lake yeah we're zero to 60 in five seconds and turn around ah yeah well and i would guess too you know if you were suggesting that like other than those who are cutting their landing strips you know that i think probably the idea of that setback idea is that if you're on the water you're seeing trees you're not seeing cabins you're not seeing manicured lawns and all this kind of 
kind of yeah. stuff. It's, it still looks yeah. like a natural setting. So that's that's a great idea. I mean, like like again, growing up on the whitefish chain and watching it change from the early '70s through the the late '80s. I mean, pretty. It, it just kind of looked like a city lake. You know, I mean, uh, every lake you hit, they were very very developed, and uh, it went from. Lots of woods and little fishing resorts and kind of set back a bit to now it's cabins every square foot. And then, and then, like I said, by the time my folks backed out, it was people buying up three lots at a time, tearing everything down and building basically a McMansion. You know, like, wow, look at the size of that thing and the docks going out 100 yards. And there's a seaplane and a speedboat and a pontoon. And I'm like, wow, this has changed, you know. So that's good that whiskey is, is staying small size. Now, is it near other kind of lake... Lakes yeah. in the Alec area, we might know a little bit. I mean, what? Miltona's not too far, but uh, the closest lakes are Chippewa, okay. Big Chip, um, which, you know, it, it's not near as big as Miltona, but it's there's a Big Chip and a Little Chip and a, a Devil's Lake. Um, those are the ones that are real close in the vicinity. Okay, yeah. yeah. Any any channels? Are they connected at all? Or are they all in? Do they stand alone? Or how does that? They, I think all four of those are connected, but you can't get. It's usually it's just a. Uh, um, what do you call it? Like the channel is very very small. Uh, not not a boatable channel. Okay. No. All right. All right. I so. think you can get from Devils to, or sorry, yeah, Devils Lake to Little Chippewa, but you can't get um, into Big Chip or Whiskey from another lake. You'd have to get it on the trailer and, and find a public landing. Right. Yep, yep. Right. So now they all have uh, they all have zebra mussels as well. Oh, okay. oh no. well, I'm not sure if we were the first one, but right. I think we were the first one to discover it. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I suppose you were talking about water clarity. I mean, that's kind of a sidebar effect of the zebra mussels is your water gets a lot clearer, I've heard. They, they fil- they're filter feeders and, and yep. voracious, you know, reproducers. So it's that's a real downside, and you, I guess you know you've got them because the water becomes so clear. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So now, well, getting back to the business now, what we've been talking about T-shirts, but what all do you provide? What are your so products? You stickers. The, uh, what, what other kinds? Yeah, of you things have stickers, what, uh, final stickers. So I was always checking out other designers. They always would have these T-shirt sites, and was like looking at at their awesome designs on a T-shirt that I would love to buy. And it's like, oh, I wish I could I could do that, and. I, when I started, I was like, it's just going to be t-shirts. That's it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> until somebody was just like, oh, I'd really love this on a coffee mug. Or right. I really love this on a print, a canvas print or, or something like that. So it kind of opened it up into um, coffee cups, canvas prints, uh, throw pillows. Uh, wow. I'm trying to kind of keep it like cabiny. I don't want to introduce iPhone cases or, or <laughs> anything yeah, like that. Yeah. Trying to keep it uh, keep it cabin decor sort of thing, or just some sort of apparel. Also, have hats, long sleeve shirts. Um, I'm starting to do hoodies. Mm-hmm. I pretty much just kind of add products as people ask for them, and then as time allows, I try to stretch those out into to other lakes. Then, so if somebody wanted a hoodie for a particular lake, I'd I'd uh, make that hoodie up for them and then um, kind of backfill all the other lakes to kind of apply them to a hoodie. There are some all over print hoodies. There's one that I had done in the camel pattern. Okay. Mm -hmm. Camouflage pattern. Mm -hmm. um, But it's the shape of the lakes. Oh, wow. And from a distance, it it looks like it's camouflage until you actually start recognizing, like, hey, that's Lake Superior or that's Mille Lacs. Right. Right. Oh, that's cool. 
So now, and you're a one-person operation at the moment, right? I mean, as far as the design work. and So right. uh, you can go to your site, website, and, and find a lake that's there and, and order a T-shirt or a mug. But if somebody, like, say, Fudd Klugman, myself, <laughs> orders, wants to get a Gull River uh, T-shirt, what kind of turnaround time? Like, you, you said you kind of have a list going of, of uh, requests. So Standing projects, yes. How... Um, how long are we going to wait here, Larry? <laughs> I'm pressing you here. No. Uh, for, for you or just anybody? No. Well, <laughs> the general public, yeah. Well, we're hoping the general public will say, hey, I was just hearing about, you know, lake supply oh, on think, the cabin I think country. Be and, huge, huge. And uh, I want to order a lake shirt. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if I've seen my lake on, on your website. So how long would it take yep. to create and get that ordered? Uh, right now, it would probably take two to three weeks by the time oh, I had that. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's pretty uh, fast. I mean, designing and then think, uh, printing. and I, I mean, with all those lakes, as I mentioned, you know, how busy do you want to get, really? <laughs> right. I, I thought if I could, well, if I could get 100 lakes on my website, boy, I bet you I could sell, you know, 10 a month for each lake, maybe even, once the sure. word gets out. Well, even. it's not quite that popular. Uh, <laughs> well, what people are getting is something pretty original. I was going to ask too, Larry. How many queries are you getting from states outside of of Minnesota? I saw on your website some South Dakota, some Wisconsin. Uh, yep, you know, how far afield yeah. do your orders come from? That's about it. I actually have a request from uh, Arizona. Okay. Um, <laughs> which uh, what's out there? Powell Lake Powell. Okay, uh, so that's yeah. on my list. Um, but uh, those are the things that. Uh, they, they primarily are coming from the Midwest, though. Mm-hmm. Um, the requests. I have customers um, in Canada buying usually just the, the Lake Superior ones, but uh, I have them all over the place. I had an order from Hawaii, New York, Florida, California, all over the place. So I think there's people with family. They're either purchasing it for themselves or they're they're purchasing it as a gift around Christmas time for their family member or friend that might have a cabin and I, some people actually order for their friends that you know invited them up to the cabin and they wanted uh, kind of a, a gift a leave behind or something that they might use and um, that's a, a thoughtful gift as well for if somebody were to loan you the cabin for a week or or just stay up there a holiday weekend or right. something a great idea too you know you're given the opportunity to stay for a week or something like that leave behind six coffee mugs with the lake you know, logo yeah. on them. That'd be that would be pretty special. Exactly, I would think. And walleye fishing is your your favorite uh, kind of fishing or fish to go after. Yeah, um, like I said, I didn't fish growing up. I think I had a picture of myself holding my first fish, and it was a little perch. <laughs> and I was so proud of it. I actually wrote on the back of it saying like um, the story about how I caught it, my first fish ever. And, <laughs> and, my brother came in and crossed some words out and wrote, instead of big fish, he wrote small fish. Oh, my like, gosh. What are brothers for? My buddies got me into walleye fishing in high school and um, fell in love with it. Fell in love with it. Uh, you know, you can you can, you can can drink a beer and fish, you know. And I think that was, that's what we liked about it. Um, right. And then met my wife, and her dad was a, a bass fisherman. So I did a lot of bass fishing and my kids, you know, they, they were raised on bass fishing because they just didn't have, have the patience for, for walleye fishing. And, uh, with COVID last year, my 15 year old, uh, the high school baseball season was canceled. Yep. 
we did a lot of fishing. Uh, actually, I have an article up on my website, the blog, about all the fish that we caught. And, um, you know, he's not going back to bass fishing. <laughs> not after that season. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We, we were just happy to catch a, a small, measly little walleye. I think it was like 12 inches on opener. Right. And right. we were freezing. Yeah. And it's just like, that's more than I catch. Because it, it always seems like walleye openers a, a week too early. Yeah. Um, the next week is usually the time when they turn on. And every week last summer, we fished, I think, except for maybe one week. You, you could see the progression of the fish were just getting bigger and bigger every mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my son caught a 28-inch, which I think is biggest to date before that was like a 22 or 23. It's a big fish. I'd never caught 28 inch. So wow, <laughs> and, and I've then, ever seen a 28 inch walleye to tell you the truth. So that's impressive. And then catches another 28 inch and it what? wasn't the same one. It was on the same lake. <laughs> so wow. he's never going bass fishing again. Well, we, uh, my father-in-law's, uh, all of his brothers and, and nephews and such come up to the cabin once a year to do a, they're from mm-hmm. Iowa, the majority of them. So, they like their bass fishing, and uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be. They come up every year and fish for bass um, in in that general area. We all pretty much hit different lakes. Okay, I don't think any of us really fish whiskey unless we just don't feel like driving anywhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, you'll be fishing bass then because there's a trophy involved. All so, right. Mm-hmm. And what uh, what's the preferred lure? Like, what do you like to use for largemouth bass? Everybody that I know fishes. Fish is shoreline. You don't use your, you know, you don't use a depth finder or anything. You don't find them deep. Um, I know yeah. that there's a lot of bass fishermen that do that. I just never learned how to do that. I guess it's kind of like fishing for walleyes, but it, it's tough to find. But the baby minus is what we call it. It's baby minus one, I think is what it's called. That one was hot for a long time. Uh, it's just a little, small little lure that goes down about a foot. Okay. Uh-huh. That one always seemed to be the, the hot ticket, but rattle trap it has been the favorite lately for for my son and i at least and then you can snag into a, a walleye or a northern while you're fishing for bass with oh, a right. rattle okay. as well so oh excellent so yeah. so the rattle trap i imagine it's kind of noisy it kind of makes a lot of yep splashy yeah, kicks okay. up some 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 motion and i'm gonna guess kind of a top floater top top foot of the water kind of thing it goes down further than than the baby minus. It doesn't okay. have a lip on it, so okay. it, it can go down pretty deep. Oh, okay. You can't really fish it in the weeds, but if the if the bass are down deep, you can use that. But he actually caught his twenty eight inch walleye. You know, we it was like ten thirty in the morning. Didn't catch a, a walleye all morning, and he's like, "I'm just going to throw this on, see if I can catch a northern or a bass." And and yeah, he snags a snags a walleye. Um, <laughs> oh my god! So it seems like the rattle traps. You know, it seems like it's cyclical. You know, the baby minus was always the go-to thing, and and it probably might just be. You know, I'm getting bored with this. Let's let's try a different lure. You right. know, and then yeah. all of a sudden you catch something. It's like, hey. <laughs> well, I'm I'm notorious for that, uh, Larry. I, I I'll give it about twelve twelve to twenty casts, and then I'm thinking, yep, okay, this one's not doing it today. Let's try something else. And of course, it's never my casting that's the problem, or my <laughs> you know reel in you know no, rate no. or or no. well, you're not jiggling the the, the rod. Well, uh, yeah, what? It's the lure, man. I'm going to try something else here. I had I had a couple of heartbreaking stories from a episode past where I, I threw out a couple of uh, jitterbugs. Uh, and a rebel, both of which were older than I am, and both of which, <laughs> both of which stayed with the Gull River. Sadly, the rebel was a. Be sure you know how to tie your your, your leader on well. I I thought I had, and I 
casted for all I was worth, and there it sailed off into the sunset. I went, okay, I got to redo my leader. And the second one, a bass, I don't know, you know, two to three pound bass. I don't know, but they feel a, they, a rebel frog or the arbogast jitterbug was a was a frog. The rebel was just kind of a top floating kind of a okay. silver blue, blue kind and of silver. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, really it was pretty. I mean, it was beautiful. It had a little lip under it, so it kind of wobbled, and you know. But uh, we even thought about taking the, the boat out and trying to find it. Like, oh, come on. You know, we're going to get that back. <laughs> it was lost. We, it, was, it was lost. We gave it up to the, the spirit of the river. But, yeah, the, the jitterbug actually left my rod stuck in the lip of a pretty good-sized smallmouth. Uh, largemouth. Was it a lot? I keep saying smallmouth. Yeah, and it's you do. Largemouth. It's, it's, right. Largemouth. All right. In my mind, it was a smallmouth foot. I'll tell you what. That's anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it broke the water and then broke my line. So <laughs> there it went. And we actually had a, a good friend to say, uh, don't feel too bad about it. Those hooks will actually dissolve out. You know, they stay, sure. they stay in their, their mouth, yeah. their lip long enough that it just, it just kind of dissolves. And he's not, he's not hauling lake weed around behind him or anything. That'll, that'll disappear. So yeah. that, that yeah. struck me as kind of hard to believe. But uh, huh. Yeah, apparently, uh, I don't know if it's something in there the fish oil yeah <laughs> sure yeah. What, what eats it away as long as you know sometimes i'll i'll cut a uh, a jig uh yeah. if it's down in the throat of a walleye it's like right. well as long as the hook dissolves before the uh lead does i think we're fine right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah wow yeah i didn't know that about hooks dissolving like no that, no you. it just totally blew my nope. mind huh. well there you go yeah the rebel frog is also another good one for a largemouth so. Rebel frog. rebel frog, kind of a floating green rebel frog. Rubber frog, they, yeah. They come with a white belly and a yellow belly. Um, okay. The white one we have more. Um, more I don't think we ever catch anything with the yellow belly. Well, it's uh, been great having you on the show, and we're hoping to be wearing our Gull River shirts at That's some right. point, uh, That's right. or a cabin car. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But uh, we're hoping that more people can find, you know, Lake Supply, and. Uh, Order a shirt or a mug or something. I mean, we certainly will. Entire set of drinking wear. Right. Collect the stickers of all the lakes you've been to. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be at a few markets this year, I believe. Um, some markets are, are canceled yet this year, but uh, there's one up in uh, Battle Lake I think I'm going to be at. Uh, so that's West Battle Lake is kind of right in town there. And Otter Tail's not far away either. Yep. So. Yep. People might see me out and about at, at art shows as well. Very cool. And I, I got to believe people are going to say, what a great idea. I mean, what a really cool idea. It's not your screen printed bulk, you know. I've, mm-hmm. been, I've been to, you know, Malax. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and all I got was this swell tea. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> Place I mean, Lake uh, here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, best of luck with everything, Larry. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I appreciate and, uh, it. Looking forward to getting the word out. Yeah. Hoping some, some listenership decides, by gad, I need some mugs, stickers, and T-shirts and hats. Well, thanks, Larry. Thanks for the time. Hanging out with us. Yeah. And, My pleasure. And we'll, uh, we'll certainly keep in touch one way or another. That's right. Sure enough, it is time for a word from one of our sponsors. So stay tuned for more Cabin Country after this. encourages you to join us at the pumps every Thursday at 9 for the weekly offerings from Yodlin Yake from Balsam Lake. Jake Keller or Yodlin Yake 
will help you find the break in the leap you'll make from your chest poise to your head poise, yodeling like a Swiss dairy farmer in no time. As you fill your tank, you'll be taught some pro tips and you'll be serenaded by some of the Midwest's finest yodelers to both entertain and inspire you as you gas up and grab snacks. Plan your refueling stop well and enjoy yodeling yake from Balsam Lake this Thursday. You'll be glad you did. It's time for another literary moment. We read a book. Brought to you tonight by Mitt's Coffee. Tonight Bjorn reads from Leo Tolstoy's Warm the Pot, a gripping story of excessive coffee drinking during the Napoleonic invasion of Imperial Russia. First rate, said Pierre, looking at Dolokhov, who, with an insulated pot of coffee in his hand, was approaching the window, from which the light of the sky, the dawn merging with the afterglow of sunset, was visible. Dolokhov, the decanter still in his hand, jumped onto the window sill. Listen, cried he, standing there and addressing those in the room. All were silent. I bet fifty imperials. He spoke French that the Englishman might understand him, but he did not speak it very well. I bet fifty imperials. Or do you wish to make it a hundred? added he, addressing the Englishman. No, fifty, replied the latter. All right, fifty imperials. That I will drink a whole pot of Mitt's coffee without taking it from my mouth. "'sitting outside the window on this very spot.' "'He stooped and pointed to the sloping ledge outside the window. "'And without holding on to anything, is that right?' "'Quite right,' said the Englishman. "'Anatole turned to the Englishman "'and taking him by one of the buttons of his fishing vest "'and looking down at him, the Englishman was short, "'began repeating the terms of the wager to him in English. "'Wait!' cried Dolokhov, "'hammering with his mug on the window sill to attract attention. "'Wait a bit, Karagin. "'Listen, if anyone else does the same,' I will pay him a hundred imperials. Do you understand? A hundred imperials and a new trolling motor. The foot-controlled kind. The Englishman nodded, but gave no indication whether he intended to accept this challenge or not. Anatole did not release him, and though he kept nodding to show that he understood, Anatole went on translating Dolokhov's words into English. A thin young lad, a hussar of the lifeguards, who'd had no luck shore-casting that evening, climbed onto the windowsill, leaned over and looked down. Oh, oh! Oh, he muttered, looking down from the window at the stones of the pavement. Shut up, cried Dolokhov, pushing him away from the window. The lad jumped awkwardly back into the room, tripping over his Zebko. Placing the pot on the windowsill where he could reach it easily, Dolokhov climbed carefully and slowly through the window and lowered his legs. Pressing against both sides of the window, he readjusted his waders, lowered his hands, moving a little to the right and then to the left, and took up the coffee pot. Anatole brought two candles and placed them on the windowsill, though it was already quite light. Dolokhov's back and his buffalo-plaid shirt and his curly head were lit up from both sides. Everyone crowded to the window, the Englishman in front. Pierre stood smiling but silent. One man, older than the others present, suddenly pushed forward with a scared and angry look and wanted to seize hold of Dolokhov's waiters. I say, this is folly. He'll be killed, said this more sensible man. Anatole stopped him. Don't touch him. You'll startle him, and then he'll be killed, eh? What then, eh? Dolokhov turned around, and again, holding on with both hands, arranged himself on his seat. If anyone comes meddling again, said he, emitting the words separately through his thin, compressed lips, I will make him eat the eel pout I caught earlier, eh? Now then. Saying this, he again turned round, dropped his hands, took the pot and lifted it to his lips, threw back his head, and raised his free hand to balance himself. 
One of the footmen who had stooped to pick up some broken crockery remained in that position without taking his eyes from the window and then from Dalikov's back. Anatole stood erect with staring eyes. The Englishman looked on sideways, pursing his lips and nervously twisting a knot on a new leader. The man who had wished to stop the affair ran to a corner of the room and threw himself on a sofa, with his face to the tackle box, rearranging and nervously inventorying his daredevil spoons. The air hit his face, from which a faint smile forgot to fade through his features, now expressed horror and fear. All were still. Pierre took his hands from his eyes. Dolikov still sat in that same position. Only his head was thrown further back till his curly hair touched his shirt collar, and the hand holding the coffee pot was lifted higher and higher and trembled with the effort. The pot was emptying perceptibly and rising still higher and his head tilting yet further back. Why is it so long, thought Pierre. It seemed to him that more than half an hour had elapsed. Suddenly Dolikov made a backward movement with his spine and his arm trembled nervously. This was sufficient to cause his whole body to slip as he sat on the sloping ledge. As he began slipping down, his head and arm wavered still more with the strain. One hand moved as if to clutch the windowsill but refrained from touching it. Pierre again covered his eyes and thought this might never end. Suddenly, he was aware of a stir all around. He looked up. Dolokhov was standing on the windowsill with a pale but radiant face. It's empty. He threw the coffee pot to the Englishman who caught it neatly. Dolokhov jumped down. He smelt strongly of French roast. Well done, fine fellow. There's a bet for you. Devil take you, came from different sides. The Englishman took out his purse and began counting out the money. Dolokhov stood frowning and did not speak. Pierre jumped to the windowsill. That was an excerpt from Warm the Pot, Leo Tolstoy's internationally praised classic, proudly brought to you by Mitt's Coffee, the brew that flew with the great Northwest. We read poetry. Now let's join Fudd and Bjorn back in Cabin Country. Well, okay, welcome back. Uh, it's great having Larry. He's shown me a few sketches of the Gull River design that he's working on here. It's very attractive, yes. And uh, I'm insisting, though, that he's got to put Cabin Country Podcast on there somewhere. So, <laughs> so we can add it to our merch listing on you our bet. website. So you bet. People can say, yeah, I, okay, that mug is great and everything. I'm but, an insider, uh, man. I got a Gull River t-shirt. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool looking. Absolutely. It's a good looking shirt. I was thinking that uh, you know maybe for the the 2021 Donovan Bassmaster Classic, which is the 40th anniversary, 40th, could uh, bring up a few. And what do you think? Do you think the guys would like that, or do you think they'd think, well, why don't you have a Donovan Bassmaster Classic with that? It's hard to say, but I think anything with the Gull River on it would would that's true meet meet their muster. It is kind of funny because so as Larry described, he. You know, he designs hand-lettered lake titles with the shape of the lake around them. You can Correct. check all of this stuff out on you his bet. website. And and uh, all these lakes, of course, are have some size and shape to them. Mm-hmm. And the Gull River is, for the most part, a thin little thread. The thin blue line. And it, yes, and it uh, eventually gets a little wider and recognizable via satellite, because what he'll do, like he explained to me that what he did with the Gull River is he'll kind of transport the a satellite shape of the river there and we go. move it into his design. So yeah. I think you think you kind of have to do that with a river like the Gull River. So. Without a doubt. It's got a meander to it. It does. It does. It wanders. It's, it's not huge, but, uh, you know, you you can 
with one vessel or another and go quite a distance. We've we've proven that. Right, right. So, and it's also kind of nice that it's not overcrowded. It feels a little bit out of the way, you know. Right, right. Sort of a. If you're lucky enough to be up there during the week, yeah, and the traffic's light, you you feel like you kind of own the river. Oh yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, the the various kind of all summer long kind of year rounder types are up there wetting a line, but uh, right. Well, there is, uh, you know, our next door, immediately to the south, uh, his name is Barry. Yeah. And uh, he's got these uh, speakers in his, he's, he built a big garage. You yeah. know, I think it's bigger than his, his cabin at this point. Grand tradition. Which, yeah, right, right. That's, that's probably common up there. But Absolutely. We'll often hear, you know, he likes the old rock and roll station, you know. And I uh, can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard, as much as I love Pink Floyd, The Wall, <laughs> you know, teacher, leave those kids alone every summer. It's like, okay, Barry, you're, you're, classic you're rock. killing my appreciation <laughs> for some of that classic Sharing rock. his love for the classics, you bet. <laughs> but I think, well, last summer anyways, he, he kind of turned it down a little bit. I think my dad had asked him to turn it down once, and he said, well, you know, the speakers are in my garage, and the thing of it is is that the garage with the door open faces us, faces our lot. The thing you like, Pink Floyd? Yeah, it's a good thing. So, <laughs> at any rate, uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's a uh, he, he actually lives in Illinois, somewhere near Chicago. And okay, comes to the cabin for the summer and uh, keeps keeps that, those oldies playing. The summer people, as Mike Lean would say, right? The su- yeah, exactly. The summer people. You bet. But if I, you know, in in some defense of the summer people, you know, we could occasionally be summer people on, mm-hmm. on the Whitefish Chain. Yeah, and uh, my dad always kind of loved to be like well, going to the uh, the lumber yard today, and he'd get in there. I'm up here all summer, you know. And oh yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not leaving every weekend, you know. I'm up here a lot. Uh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's almost like he had something to prove. Like right. no, 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 I'm not. I'm not a you know weekend weekend warrior. I'm I'm up here all summer long. Fair enough. Sure you are. What do you need today, city? <laughs> no, I, when, I, you, no I when you close it down, when when will we see you again? Yeah. Uh, April. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's life, man. Up. That's life. Two-season two cabin. Incidentally, you know, we, we are in April, and it's um, in March when we recorded our last podcast, it was right. warmer, I think. We had some balmy oh, days yeah, reaching 70. 70 degrees, and here it is in the 30s, and there's the occasional snowflakes coming yes. down. Yes, yes. Kind of a reminder. You know, we're not quite there yet. That's true, but uh, I think we're all the Midwesterners are pretty familiar with. Uh, don't right. get too excited. It's right. it might be seventy that's today, right. but it'll be snowing tomorrow. Who knows? And even with the snow coming down, I mean, I'm I'm gonna guess, Fud, that the dock has gone in amidst the snow, a, a light snowfall occasionally. I yeah, I I think so. I can't recall. I know we've taken it out in the midst oh, of yes. the snowfall. That seems more common. Taking it out, right? Right. In, in, in in drizzly weather like this, sure. but uh, but anyway, well, we've got some some exciting episodes to look forward to. We've already got some things in the can. We were just talking about a subject matter I was telling my wife about, and she didn't seem too excited about it. It's creepy crawlies up in the North Woods, up in cabin country. Everything from uh, wood ticks to. Uh, Spiny soft-shelled turtles. <laughs> Spiny soft-shelled <laughs> turtles, that's right. Chiggers. Oy. All kinds of stuff. And so it, it's, uh, 
it might be might be one to release closer to Halloween, but no, it's not as spooky. It's just creepy. So we got that coming up. And um what else have we got? Oh wait, we heard we heard from our, our friend David Barnett again from New Jersey and he has discovered that there is a link between Bjorn and Fudd here at Cabin Country and the Gail Whitman show, which aired on uh, PBS many years ago, 2002, 2004, and he discovered that indeed we were behind that project one, as one well. One of the same. He got. It was kind of an early, early go at the Cabin Country. You know, what can we do entertainment-wise? And we thought we'd make some kind of a sketch comedy TV show out of it. Right. Right. Who is Gail Whitman? You wonder. Well, he's an aging outdoor host of his own. Uh, Outdoor show. Outdoor show. Sports show. Yeah. Outdoor sports. Like we grew up watching Virgil Ward and uh, the likes of Al Linder. You bet. And remind me, I have something to say about Al Linder in a minute. (laughs) All right, all right. But um, so growing up watching those, we thought we'd create something where we have this... This old timer, fictitious individual, yeah, trying yes. to trying to keep his old outdoor show alive with the help of his son, and because his son is back from film school and he's going to help <laughs> invigorate the show, and also he's got a new wife and got a production credits. Yes, so but uh, we just well we had the ambition and the idea, but uh, we we couldn't find the money to to make more than like five episodes. But PBS, uh, our local. Twin Cities Public uh, TV broadcasting station aired them, you know. I recall. And uh, it was fun, and we thought, oh, right, this is going to take off. But, well, alas, it, it never did. But you can w- see some of these, uh, some clips and videos on YouTube, on the Cabin Country Podcast YouTube channel. Had a small but loyal following. It did. It yes. did. Yes. It did. People really I liked it. and I may have gotten a phone call or two. Late night on a on a Saturday, you know. I think you're on TV, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, look at that. Awesome. Let's turn it on. Sure enough. Let's let's uh, take in Gail Whitman one more time. Radio. Good stuff. I mentioned Al Linder a few moments ago. You did. You did. And uh, I great I, Minnesota outdoorsman. Yes, he's a he's a legendary figure around here, and he he's from the Minnesota area. I think uh, area. <laughs> He lives in Minnesota. We're on fire tonight, folks. Yeah, it's a, I don't it's know what's, what it is. It's the weather. We it's can't the snow. The speak when April it's snow. We're just snowing. tongue-tied. It's hard to understand. At any rate, I sent an email and just kind of sent it to whoever it might concern. Whoever, yeah, whoever, to right. whom it may concern. We'd love to attention Al if Al is available to do an interview or meet anybody that works there to kind of walk us through the history and tell us about how how things. Developed and where they're going you and bet. all that. And, you bet. But then uh, about a week later, I sh- received a short email back r- from Al himself. Wow. Who said, wow. That's, that's well, big. I'm really busy at the moment, guys, but uh, call me in a couple of months and we'll yeah. see if we Keep can get Keep an oar in the water. This, so, this might yet happen. So perhaps. So was, hey, I mean, anything is... It was the first of all, it was the man himself. And right. Second of all, he didn't say no. So... <laughs> So you're saying there's a chance. There is a chance <laughs> at the great Al Linder on Cabin Country. So that's... Dumb and dumber moments. But but you're telling me there's at least a chance. <laughs> right. Yes, yes. There was not a definite no. So there's the outside right. chance. Okay. We got that going for it. But uh, we've got... So I mentioned Creepy Crawlies. We're also going to talk about the trains of, of uh, 
you know, back in the... Well, let's not kid ourselves, Fudd. One of the greatest parts of, you know, putting in the dock, putting in the boat lift, getting the, getting the tracker river ready, you know, wetting a line, uh, the whole bit. But, boy, there's, there's, a, there's a ritual with Fudd and Bjorn uh, at, at the Gulf where it, you know, as the evening starts to, starts to set in and there's a fire, there's fireside cooking... Right. And plenty of radio shows, um, but but we are interrupted, and and the radio shows go silent. We mm-hmm. always turn it off because we hear the train, mm-hmm. you know, crossing the crossing the bridge over the river, and uh, just that haunting, wailing cry of, of the, the train horn. You know, yeah. it's it's just it's magical. I don't know. You know, I think I've always loved that sound from being a kid in White Bear Lake to. Uh, you know, a young man up on the on the whitefish chain and hearing trains pass through the Brainerd area, whatever. The same train, right. I'm sure. On a good Probably. night, on a good night, I could yeah. I could hear that all the way up near Cross. Are the trains going in? Uh, you know, Camp Ripley, right? Um, but boy, it's right there. You know, mm-hmm. right. And, and in fact, the Donovan Shack there on the end of the point. Almost boy, it's right across the water. Throw, almost, it's, yeah. it's you're watching that. You're seeing the headlights of yeah. that engine come by, or those three engines in tandem. Yeah, and there's just something you know. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb for both of us here, Fudd, and say we're both train aficionados. You know, yeah, I uh, loved everything about them, and uh, yeah, we've got a we've got a train episode that we'll talk about the good old days of the, the lumber trains and the, the commercial trains and the passenger trains, right? That used to bring people up to cabin country. Yeah, um, you know, prior to the big highway system being in place, and then. Um, a piece that's near and dear to our heart too. It's a it's a little closer to the wood the Oakdale Studios here, but the whole idea of uh, kind of the St. Croix Valley railroads yeah. of years past and right. uh, what ultimately became the Minnesota Zephyr that's right. line. Um, you know, run up to Osceola, Wisconsin. It, tracks have now been ripped up, and it's a very beautiful Bike running, trail, running, walking, and bicycling trail. Yeah. Um, but what was the history of that? You know, I mean. The boom site and the lumber towns and Stillwater and, and Bayport, and, you know, all these, all these, all these great places. Uh, so, there's a history to all that, and it's it's very interesting. One thing I did a little research and, and found that back in the day, Brainerd had its own kind of trolley system. You know, there was a oh, streetcar really? that went through Brainerd, and I found that really interesting. And, and there's more there, I think, with the Chamber of Commerce kind of museum spot. But uh, yeah. Interesting days passed, you know, interesting times. What, what, what were they using? And the, and the curious, curious engines they used for for the logging industry, They're, they were different. You know, there was, there, I've, I've probably got an annoyingly exhaustive list of, well, this was a, uh, what, a Rogers engine, and it had uh, reciprocating. That's fascinating, Bjorn. Thank you very much. We now have, the last six listeners are now sound asleep, but... Uh, <laughs> It's it's all right, and I just that kind of stuff is fascinating, and uh, and then of course, spring is right around the corner, and I've got my list of things to be on the lookout as a woodland forager. Oh yes, and, uh, you know I think I would get Stan Tequila's blessing on a lot of this because he's talked about many of these fine right. fine comestibles yes. from the forest larder, but they're out there and they're going to be showing up soon. In fact, we're not far removed from the June berries starting to show up. Uh-huh. Uh, or the Saskatoon, if you will. Saskatoon. Another name for the same fine fruit. Aren't they delicious? Got to know what you're looking for, you know? Yeah. And there's all kinds of stuff out there. Even something called 
lumberjack toilet paper. Look what I almost did. <laughs> really? A large leaf aster. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A beautiful ah. flowering plant if allowed to reach its full maturity, but many a woodland camper won't let it get that tall as these <laughs> large velvety leaves can uh, wow. take the place of your favorite bathroom tissue. Are they abundant in most woods? Oh, they're all over the place. Plenty for everybody. At least, you know, what I'm used to from, say, the Gull River due north, it's it's hard to... The farther north you get, the, the thicker it grows. Oh, okay. It's, I think the more you pick the leaves off this plant, the thicker it comes in. So it's it's impressive, but we'll talk some more about that in, in near future. Excellent. It'll be a downright episode of its own, for, for oh, yeah. Pete's sake. Who's to say? But... Uh, at the Ewell Gibbons. Student of the great student, Ewell Gibbons, yeah, yes. Appreciate it. Carrying the torch. Well, yes. there are many foragers out there, I think, that uh, I'm, love I'm it. one of those stooges that owns a whole... I think, I think he wrote four. At least I own four. Yeah. Of uh, Ewell Gibbons. Ewell Gibbons, his field guides. Yes, indeed. Wow. Everything from what do you do with mulberries? And are they native to the area? To uh, how to clean, cook, and enjoy a muskrat. Oh my God! I think I'll. Wow, I'll I'll take him at his word on that one. I don't need to find out the wow. the real way. I think Ewell Gibbons would have enjoyed a podcast of his own. Uh, people would love to tune into like a YouTube channel. Oh my God, he's going to eat this! Yeah. Yeah. What? Now he's going to tear open a muskrat and I don't know. Clean maybe. off all the fat glands, parboil it three times. <laughs> right. and then, yeah. Not mm, only is the eating, it's almost probably. You know, after all the preparation you have to go through to, to make right. something like that edible, eating it would probably be, oh, that was less impressive than all the prep <laughs> I had to do. Oh, oof, yeah. you know, and, and then his tales about carp fishing. Oh, you know, yeah. just the goofy old joke that one of the ranch hands he worked with talked about. Yeah, yeah, you catch a bunch of carp, and you, you know, the best way to do it is you pack it in fresh cattle manure. Oh. And then you bake it in the fire. And, uh, at the end, you peel off that shell of cattle manure. And the fish isn't worth anything, but the manure tastes halfway decent. <laughs> so, thought, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna be eating uh, cow chips, and, and uh, <laughs> I think maybe I'll try to find a couple of shadberry trees and some, wow. uh, some, some yeah. thimbleberries or something. You know, I'll even maybe I'll take a run at that muskrat. Which is, <laughs> anything's got to be better than. Wow! Ish. Oh my gosh! Ish. Yes. That is. He did. He did finally get down to the point. If you can, if you can, clean out the carp, and then basically boil it in 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 oil. Yeah. You know, and then he he talked something about pulling out the the fish and then just pulling off pieces of meat, and it was, and it wasn't that bad. What? <laughs> <laughs> Which or, or just, just try fishing for anything else. I mean, yeah. if, if there's carp, there's probably something else. You know, I mean, there's got to be something. A little well, more I, I suppose we table worthy. Thank him for, you know, if you ever wondered about these inedible Went, things, went Somebody, out on many limbs. Yeah, he was he was lampooned ruthlessly by Johnny Carson. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that'd be great to see some of those old interviews. Jeez, oh, well, I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they're out there. YouTube springs eternal, but. Uh, Right. Yeah, so a lot of stuff coming your way. You know, the train episode, the, the forest foraging, even sort of the inner city foraging. You know, there's a lot out there, believe it or not, that can be found and, and used. But uh, 
grist for the mill for yet another future show or two. So thanks again to Larry Sickman. Some really yes. cool material. I know I'm half half tempted to ask him about a Daggett Lake oh, yeah. t-shirt. I just I know it's a piece of my past, but uh, you've heard me weep openly about the cabin on Daggett in oh, enough yeah. episodes that maybe maybe there's a t-shirt in the offing there too. But I think so. I think there's a Gull River shirt with my name on it somewhere here. So yes. exciting. Glad to have him and uh a very very fun interview about about his burgeoning business with with uh, lake design and t-shirts and what a great Excellent. opportunity if i if yeah. i you know any of my friends that have lake places i would be like what a great gift oh yeah having me up for a weekend excellent hey got you a t-shirt check it out you know it's hand lettered hand designed really cool yeah and and a basically a you know satellite accurate outline oh, of right lake. how cool is that so yeah but yet hand lettered or you know Sometimes he has geometric kind of computer sure, design lettering sure. too, but uh, yeah, whatever, whatever kind of custom made to your liking. And then once he has a lake done, anybody that has a cabin on that lake, a lot better find than it online. the T-shirt that says "I went to Clamshell Lake and all I got was this stupid T-shirt." <laughs> right. Yeah. Indeed. Right. Indeed. Right. Well, excellent. Well, boy, thanks for hanging with us yet again. Yeah, I think a good. Good sign out for, for Larry Sickman and his, his interview. It was a lot of fun. And uh, what's coming our way? The Gail Whitman Show. Walk down memory lane. Right. It's out there. Look for it on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Might surprise you. It just might. It just might. Anyway, we'll see you next time here on The Cabin Country. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.